Welcome to the 228th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with E.J. Simon, author of Death Logs Out, the third book in the Michael Nicholas series. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is E.J. Simon, author of the new thriller novel, Death Logs Out. E.J., welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jeff. It's great to be here. Great. Well, can you read the first couple of pages of your novel, Death Logs Out? Sure. Starts out chapter one, two years earlier, Whitestone, Queens, New York. Alex Nicholas often wondered what the last moments of his life would feel like. Would it be a shortness of breath, a cold sweat, a stabbing pain near the heart, or, or perhaps a tender piece of Smith and Walensky's New York strip lodged in, in his trachea, refusing to go down? He was in a dangerous business, which might have been what led to this morbid fascination. More likely, he suspected, it was the result of attending all those gloomy, Greek Orthodox funerals as a kid? Or was it that shadow of a person nearby, someone watching him, that he had caught a glimpse of more than more than once over the past few days? He sat in his den admiring his sleek Apple laptop. Although it looked like the same computer owned by millions of people, it was far more powerful. Inside the polished aluminum case and underneath the smooth white keyboard, over a million dollars of state-of-the-art upgrades and enhancements sourced from diverse specialized companies located all over, the all over the world and combined together by an obscure but strangely talented computer genius. The combination had resulted in a breakthrough, one that would change everything. For a full minute, Alex just stared at his image on the screen. Using his laptop, he had taken the photograph of himself and now he thought carefully about which words he wanted to place at the bottom of the screenshot. And then it came to him, the phrase that he had read days ago, and then it stuck in his mind ever since. He began to type, watching the words appear below his image. Life is a dream. Death is waking up. Alex laughed. That'll get their attention, he thought. Someday, hopefully not anytime soon. He smiled at his mirror image. I can't wait to show this to Michael. Alex often thought about his brother, Michael, the only remaining link to the family of his childhood. He wished they were closer, though there were plenty of reasons why they weren't. Alex suspected it was either, either the business he was in or the women he married. He knew Michael wasn't comfortable with either. But now that he had completed his secret project, Alex hoped to get closer to the brother that he sorely missed. He decided he would call Michael later, as soon as he'd had something to eat. Moving quickly now, he signed off and closed the laptop. He carried the computer into his master bedroom and entered the spacious walk-in closet, quietly closing the door beside him. Inside was a row of custom-made wooden shelves running from the ceiling down to the floor, each shelf jutting out at an angle, designed to hold and display two pairs of shoes. He removed the shoes sitting on the fourth shelf from the bottom and gripping the polished teak 
pushed it up forward. The specifically designed panel easily lifted up, revealing a hidden compartment. Alex placed his unique laptop snugly into the empty cavity and returned the shelf to its original position. As he headed down the stairway and out the front door, he thought about the amazing breakthrough contained inside his computer and lightened his step. He was no genius when it came to electronics, and he didn't understand how it worked or even why it worked, only that it did. And because it did, Alex knew that he would live forever. Great. Well, if someone hasn't, if someone listening hasn't heard about Death Logs out before, how would you describe your new novel? Well, it's a uh, it's a freestanding uh, freestanding book, although it's the third in a series, uh, and it's basically about a uh, an underworld figure who uh, had one fear in life, and that was that was death. Uh, he was a very tough guy. So he spent millions of dollars. He got fascinated with artificial intelligence and he spent millions of dollars with some computer geeks who made a breakthrough and they duplicated him on a computer, uh, his visual, his memory, his brain, his consciousness, um, actually duplicated him just before he was murdered. And the book becomes really a, uh, then a traditional crime thriller where Alex Nicholas comes back to life on the computer, is united with his brother who is alive, and they proceed to find the killers uh, of Alex Nicholas. And the novel goes uh, all over the world and some very interesting and uh, great places to travel, Paris, Rome, the Vatican, Saint-Tropez, France, uh, as the two brothers uh, and their families um, try and solve this crime. Well, do you remember the original idea that led you to writing the novel? Yes. The original idea, uh, the, there were really two movies that influenced these books. Uh, the first one was probably back around the 1969 or so, 2001 Space Odyssey. And that's the book that popularized artificial intelligence. AI had been around for decades still, but very few people were really very aware of it. Uh, it was 2001 Space Odyssey with the computer, the onboard computer, how it was called, uh, he was called, that uh, was really running the spaceship and developed a mind and a consciousness of its own to the point where, where they tried, where the astronauts tried to disconnect how. Uh, he became fully aware of what they were trying to do, wouldn't disconnect himself from the spaceship's uh, controls, and ultimately wound up killing the astronauts to preserve itself. That movie and how the computer just fascinated me with the potential that, you know, AI and computers, uh, which were really not that popular then at all, obviously, um, had so much potential to emulate life and the brain. Um, so that was the first movie. The second uh, was The Godfather. And the, the part of The Godfather that influenced me was the family uh, relationship uh, relationships. Uh, in particular, Michael, the younger brother, 
who appeared to be a straight arrow and was initially went to college and eventually uh, was drawn into the family and became really one of the most uh, dangerous of, of, of all the family members. And the, the, the family dynamics and uh, Michael in particular uh, uh, in that movie had a big influence on me. And it happens to be one of the reasons uh, that I named Al- Alex Nicholas is the, uh, is the underworld figure who's duplicated on the computer. Mm-hmm. His younger brother is Michael, who was a straight arrow, actually a CEO of a, of a significant company. So the two brothers were very, very different. And uh, so that, that character fascinated me in The Godfather. And to some degree, some of those characteristics are in Michael Nicholas. Sure. So did you end up doing a lot of research into AI for writing Death Logs out? Yes, uh, uh, for writing all three of the novels, and it's really it's a very fluid subject right now, uh, AI in particular. But uh, I did uh, read numerous books on artificial intelligence. I actually went back to some of the classics uh, from the fifties, even that uh, were first written on AI, and uh, so some of it is just traditional book reading and research. However, a lot of it is really only on the internet because this is a subject that's moving so quickly. Uh, Things are happening and breakthroughs are being made uh, that a lot of the research you have to, you know, you literally almost have to check every day to see, you know, what's happening in this field. Sure. So what led you to writing your first novel? Had you always wanted to write fiction? No. I had always wanted to write uh, nonfiction, and uh, I'd been in the corporate world for most of my life. My degrees were in uh, journalism, and uh, my master's is in communication, but I've been in business uh, for most of my life, and about seven years ago, uh, I had left one of my corporate positions. I did a lot of, I headed up a number of companies, uh, often was a turnaround situation, so you frequently are walking into very bad uh, scenarios that may not may or may not last long. Uh, and they're high stress. And after the last one, uh, actually, my wife said to me, Jim, you've always wanted to write a book. So I proceeded to write a business book on leadership, got about halfway through it. Uh, I was bored. I, I, I had bored myself to tears with it. And said, you know what? Uh, deep down, I had a novel in me, and that was the as a result of the Godfather and uh, 2001: Space Odyssey. I had always had this concept of creating a character uh, out of that. Uh, so I I ditched the uh, ditched the business book. I still have it. I still have it on a flash disk somewhere. And uh, proceeded to just write fiction. And the truth of it is, I mostly read nonfiction. I read a lot of history, um, biographies. Uh, so this was uh, this was very different for me. And it took a lot of uh, a lot of learning on my part. I had to do a lot of study in terms of writing the art of fiction, in a sense. 
And what was, that, what was that process like of, of learning that art? Well, uh, I one of the best books uh, I, I read was by Stephen King on writing. And then I read a number of other books. And then, of course, I started reading much more fiction. Uh, Dan Brown, Stuart Woods, uh, Patterson, a lot of the popular writers. Uh, and in addition, I took uh, courses, um, you know, e- either with local local universities, Fairfield University and others uh, on by very talented uh, professors. So it was a real learning process in addition to sub- beginning to submit manuscripts for review uh, because my editors taught me a lot also. And so but, what's, what's the writing process like for you? Do you, do you uh, outline extensively or is it more organic for you? No, I outline extensively. Uh, I probably do about a 10 to 15 page outline, uh, very detailed of the story with the plots and subplots uh, and the characters. Um, and, and what I find, so I start with that. And But what I inevitably have found in all three, and I'm, I'm actually just about done with my fourth manuscript, um, is that, you know, just like life, you can, you can have a, a plan and uh, the way you, a way you think your life's going to run or go, and uh, things get in the way. Life gets in the way. Events get in the way. Uh, uh, you are offered positions. You marry a certain person. Uh, certain people die. Uh, things like that happen. And your life changes. So you can't write the script, obviously, for your life. And similarly, what I've found is you can outline in incredibly precise detail, uh, your novel. But what I found for myself is that as I start writing it, uh, either events get in the way within the story, or, you know, you'll be at a certain point, a crossroads perhaps for a character where they've got to take an action. And you're sitting there as the writer typing into your computer and you say, you know what? I don't think this character would do that. Now that I've been with this character for you know, X thousands of words or chapters. And now that I see this situation, uh, as opposed to the outline, I think the character would do something different. And then of course, uh, one thing leads to another and your story changes just as your life has changed. And so are you working on a new novel now? Yes. I've just, uh, finished actually, it's on the way to the editor. Uh, the fourth in this series, so the first book was Death Never Sleeps, the second was Death Logs In, the third one that's coming out right now is Death Logs Out, the next one, which is, as I said, on the way to the editor, will be Death in the Cloud, and I have one other project, uh, which is almost done, and that is a true crime uh, story, and that's about a priest in, uh, in Connecticut who uh, wound up stealing over $2 million from his parish. And what, what interested you in that story? I was introduced to the, uh, one of the car, one of the actual uh, people involved in that. She was the bookkeeper of, uh, of the, uh, uh, of the church. 
and uh, just uh, got to know her and became fascinated with her story and then did my own research and proceeded to uh, to really create what is uh, it'll be fiction, but based on a true story. And so given your writing success thus far, what advice would you have for aspiring writers who might be listening? Well, a few things. Uh, number one, uh, put on a put on a hard shell because uh, I was always a person who uh, wanted to maintain a certain amount of privacy about who I was and a lot of my inner feelings. And uh, I, I think you need to let that go to be a, to be a good writer, especially of fiction. Uh, number two, you've got to read a lot of fiction because it is an art unto itself. Um, and there is a pace, uh, to, a to a novel that is different from other types of writing. So you've got to, you got to let go personally. You've got to do, you've got to read a lot of fiction and you've got to write a lot of fiction. And my feeling is, um, you've just, you've got to, you've got to keep going. Sometimes perhaps what you're not, what you're writing is not the best and you know it and you just have to keep writing and, uh, you can always fix it later, you know, unlike live television or live radio. Um, so those are basically, uh, keep writing, keep reading. Um, don't be afraid to, to show your inner feelings. You've got to put yourself out there and then finally be very, uh, be very aware, take courses. Be, so don't be afraid to learn because you need to know the rules before you, before you should break them. And then finally be very, uh, open to criticism, whether it's from an editor or whether it's from a reviewer. Uh, what I found is I go through a process uh, with an editor, for example, where I get back the first edit and I'm angry. And I think to myself, this is the wrong editor. This is the wrong person. Uh, I knew I should have selected someone else. He doesn't understand my writing or my story. That's the, that's the initial phase. The second phase, and it usually starts during the e at night, in the middle of the night, I start uh, – rethinking some of some of the critique and inevitably one by one i start to uh accept those critiques until and it often takes me like two weeks by the end of about a two-week period i'm in love with the editor they did a great job uh i found i've learned an incredible amount and i begin to dive it back into my story and fix it or make it better um, so I think, and also sometimes from the reviews, even the Amazon reviews that often are short, cryptic, uh, there are uh, some of it you do have to discount. For example, if, if someone doesn't like, sometimes someone will knock your book because they don't like obscenities. Well, this is a book with a lot of underworld figures. So this is the way they speak. It's just, you know, that, that. There's not much I can do about that or want to do about that. But, but most often, there'll be a kernel of truth in that, in that criticism. And what I find is that 
when I think through a lot of that, it makes me a better writer because often I will make adjustments because sometimes that criticism is very good. So you've really got to be able to keep an open mind and uh, listen, my writing is not intended to be Shakespeare. It's not particularly literary. It's, it's really commercial fiction, but even within, even as commercial fiction, um, there are certainly ways to keep making it better. Sure. Well, what books have you read recently, fiction or nonfiction, that you would recommend? Um, well, you know, I, I tend to keep going back to some of the uh, some of the the ones that I've uh, that I've loved, and they are uh, well. Just trying to think. Um, certainly, all all of. Uh, Dan Brown's books, um, uh, Da Vinci Code, Angels and Demons, and, and Dan Silva's, uh, you know, Portrait of a Spy and the English Assassin. And on a very different level, I've and I don't, uh, I don't honestly recall the last one or two, but I read all the Stone Stuart Wood Stone Barrington series novels. And in fact, when I started writing. If I, that was probably, he was probably the author I was trying to emulate. Uh, Stuart Woods to me has a, a simple formula. It's straightforward. The, the, the plots aren't complicated. And that was really what I thought I was going to write. But what I found was that I, uh, uh, I, I couldn't do what he did. So my writing has its own, you know, I'm sure unique character, but I love Stuart Woods. Sure. Well, that sounds great. Well, again, we've been speaking with E.J. Simon, author of the new thriller novel, Death Logs Out. If you're interested in what you've heard, go grab a copy of Death Logs Out, which has just been published. And E.J., thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much, Jeff. Great. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.